Tiny Tales presents X Marks the Spot The only thing left of our village is a big charred spot and a few blackened logs still valiantly standing upright. It was raised to the ground, and seeing that we were a small coastal community located next to pirate-infested seas, you'd think it was them that did it. In a way, it was the pirates that set the whole thing off. They were always coming in and pillaging and being a general all-around nuisance, until some clever person years back decided the best way to fend them off was to beat them at their own game. If we buried all our valuables and made out to be nothing but a poor sea village, they'd have no warrant to come and bother us. It wasn't long before citizens rivaled the squirrels for nesting away their goods in the forest, and you could hardly stick a spade in the ground without hitting someone's forgotten chest or sack of gold. Eventually, the pillagers, being a naturally lazy lot, showed up less and less often until they stopped coming altogether. Unfortunately, by the time it was safe to retrieve our valuables, everyone had forgotten where they'd buried what. It wasn't for lack of looking, but inevitably you found something that belonged to somebody else. At first, the finders generously took a finder's fee, pocketing a portion of the rediscovered goods in return for the hassle of finding the owner, which was all well and good until it came to paying for your own valuables, when the whole deal suddenly seemed a lot less fair. Fed up with that, we decided to forget the whole system, and the finders could just keep whatever they found. The forest soon turned into a field of pits and exposed roots, surrounded by a ring of growing dirt mounds you had to clamber over, as everyone frantically tried to dig up whatever they could. The system certainly motivated, but it crumbled when the blacksmith, a seven-foot man with arms the size of barrels, dug up a chest full of silk dresses, and decided he neither wanted nor needed them. And the previous owner of the dresses, who had unearthed his broadsword beneath a copse of oaks, decided she'd much rather keep the weapon. As chaotic as this sounds, it would have settled itself in the end. The real problems began when we unearthed the journal. owner declined to reveal themselves, which was a wise choice as it turned out, and the finder delved into the brittle pages to see if they could puzzle out who it was. What they found was a collection of gossip, so vile, so despicable, that they promptly shared it with everyone in the immediate vicinity. Once we started reading it, we obviously couldn't stop. Whoever wasn't mentioned within the pages must be the author, so it had to be carefully read from cover to cover and the vicious gossip identified. But nobody trusted anybody else to do the reading, 
in case they were the one who had penned it, and it became a public event which any and all could attend. And they did. And as there were quite a few names to be checked off before we got to the end, wild suspicions and accusations were flying before we'd even gotten ten pages in. On page three, the tavern keeper, a large and balding man, was described as a lump of rancid lard who smelled about as bad, and his ale was only slightly preferable to drinking the seawater that dripped from dead fish as they hung in the sun to dry. The outraged tavern keeper was convinced that the fishermen had done it, having always harbored a deep dislike for the man, despite their feigned friendship, and sliced all his nets in the night. Again, it might have blown over, except he just couldn't hold back from telling the fishermen that maybe he should worry about his own smell. The fishermen, who had genuinely believed they were friends up until that moment, and just now realizing the truth of the matter, poked holes in all the barrels of ale, flooding the tavern and leaving behind a very generous and very fishy gift. The tavern keeper opened his door the next morning to find a collection of very drunk eels. After that, the entire village dissolved into chaos. Every secretly remembered insult and offense came barreling back into the light of day until people barricaded themselves in their homes at night and refused to speak to each other in the streets. The last straw, or the first spark, was the lengthy section describing the ineptitude, inability, and complete lack of imagination the town builder displayed in whatever project she touched. This was crowned by an assertion that the inhabitants would probably prefer to live in piles of cow dung over the buildings she created which so closely resembled them. She, the victim of a failed romance with the farrier, focused all her rage on him, and that night set fire to the stable she had so lovingly built, rather stupidly forgetting that all the houses were made of wood and built rather close together, and it wasn't long before the whole thing went up like a great big hunk of dried dung. So now the village is nothing but a smoking black spot on the coast. The citizens cleared out shortly afterward, preferring to take their chances sailing with the pirates than staying one more moment with their loving neighbors. The journal disappeared in the fire, and the author, whoever it was, was never revealed. I have to imagine they were just expressing well-deserved and rather artfully described grievances but it was rather disconcerting to watch a group of seemingly civil people descend into a pitchfork-wielding mob over a few innocent observations. In my defense, when I buried the thing, I didn't think anyone would find it.
Today's episode of Tiny Tales was written and narrated by R.E. Rule. Music and production by Frank Narat. If you enjoy our show, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Join us on Patreon for as little as $1 per month to gain exclusive access to the Tiny Tales soundtracks. Visit us at tinytalespodcast.com for details. Thanks for listening.